I have a couple of special guests here up on the stage. Here you go, you can use this. There you go. For those of you who don't know them, this is Seda and this is Emma Sakaguchi. So let's welcome them. And the kids are over there, Jay, Kaya, Mia, and Peter. So raise your hands over there, guys. They're over there. So thank you guys for being with us here this morning. We're going to learn a little bit more about what Seda and Emma are doing in Japan, and that's going to take place after the service today. We're going to have lunch downstairs. We have uh, 150 lunches, so it's sort of the first come, first serve. If you'd rather go out and get your own lunch and bring it back, that's fine. We're going to be down in the basement auditorium, so at about 12 o'clock, we'll get started, and then probably about 12.45, they'll start to share about what's going on in Japan. But Seda and Emma, we just thank God for you. And we are so glad that you're back here with us. And so just in a short time, could you just give us just a brief update on sort of how you guys are doing and how come you guys came back? Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. Um, I always get complaints that uh, people want to hear more from Emma, so I'm going to give all the time to Emma. So go ahead. Emma loves this. <laughs> Every moment of it. Hello. I was hoping this <laughs> microphone wouldn't work. <laughs> Um, I know for some of you guys, you have no idea who we are. <laughs> so, Said and Emma, we um, have been living in Tokyo for the last eight years. We originally met, married, had our engagement <laughs> at this church as well. Um, that was like 18 years ago. But uh, we have been in Tokyo in Toyosu specifically. It's a little man-made island for the last eight years. Um, there's 37,000 people who live there, and then immediately around us, within like a five-minute radius, walking radius, um, 11,000. And so that's the setting we're at. And how come you guys came back? Why are you back now at this particular time? Um, how come? Yeah, because we love you guys. I love you man. Uh, but no joke, I really, really uh, love this church, and um, the days that we get to spend here are so precious to us. Uh, every time I come here on a Sunday morning, hear you guys sing these glorious truths of Jesus, it just so encourages my soul. So thank you for loving Jesus and loving us, and thank you for your partnership in the gospel. How come we came back <laughs> this time? Um, throughout uh, COVID season, we couldn't uh, travel easily, and so we, we waited until now. It's been two and a half years since the last time we were back here, and we just felt like, man, it's, it's time to go back, go home, and be with the people that we love, and so. Great. And just briefly, what are you guys most excited about the ministry that's going on that you guys are involved in? During COVID? Um, I think during COVID, uh, Japan is still very much in the middle of COVID. Everyone's wearing masks all the time. But I think during COVID, we've been really excited to see that our community, the way that the church um, is formed, we're a very close-knit community, and the relationships have deepened. I don't feel like we've lost any ground. We did have to go on Zoom for a number of times, but we see the community every day, basically. And so we're really encouraged by how God has allowed us to 
deepen relationships and for people to learn more about the gospel so we're still able to do that. Yeah, because of our context, we live, literally, the church community lives within five-minute walking distance from each other. And so through our COVID, we were able to do stuff outside, get connected, um, and make disciples that way. Great. Now we're going to hear more about what's going on uh, at the lunch, but what are a couple of ways that we could be praying for you? And I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, but what are some, some prayer requests? Um, obviously, we would love our non-Christian friends in Toyosu to just find freedom in Christ. I think specifically, if that's how you want to pray, um, there is, there's a man, his name starts with a K. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you're not recording this, but just in case. Um, We've been it's reaching on, out to him for eight years. <laughs> well, anyway, so pray for him. And then there is a, my friend also we've been reaching out to eight, for eight years. There's more people, but these ones specifically, her name starts with an M. And one of the um, teens in our community, her name starts with an S. So those three specifically pray for them. We do believe that God is doing an amazing work in their lives, but they're yet to believe so that's one thing, um, pray for the believers. Another thing is for us to just really sense what God is calling us to do and for us to see or hear God's voice above the noise. And I'm sure you guys know there's a lot of noise around us. And another thing that's really important is for um, our life to prove the gospel. So in our marriage, in our parenting, we have a lot of people observing us and it's not just a Sunday morning. You know, our setting, it's like every day, all the time, even when we want them to leave our apartment. <laughs> so they're everywhere. Um, but I think it's just a really unique and cool opportunity for God to, uh, God to use um, them to see what a Christian community looks like. And so that's what we are praying for. Seda, anything to add? Yeah, um, we'll tell you more about those names downstairs. Um, but uh, those are precious people. Um, those people are, have become dear to us. So we really want them to experience the love of God in the gospel through Jesus Christ. So please pray for that. Great. Well, let's pray, church. Lord, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for Seda and Emma. We thank you for Jay and Kaya, Mia and Peter. Thank you for watching over them over these last years. Uh, we're just so grateful to see and to hear uh, the wonderful way that you're at work in their lives, in their marriage, in their home, with their family, and in the community that they live in. And Father, we pray for those that they are reaching out to, these dear people made in your image who have not turned and followed Christ yet. Lord, we just pray that they would hear the gospel and respond to it. Father, we pray for Satan and Emma and their family, that they would continue to be faithful witnesses and a wonderful example in their community. Father, we also pray for Ian and Chi as they're holding down the fort while, while Satan and Emma are here. We pray that you would help them during this time to continue to lead the church and to continue exalting Christ in their community. Father, we pray for the church that is being planted there. Uh, we also pray for the country of Japan uh, with the recent assassination of the former prime minister. Lord, there are people who are grieving and hurting, and yet we know where people can find hope, and that's in Jesus Christ. And we pray that in the country of Japan, that the gospel would go forth. Lord, there are so many people who don't know Christ. And we pray for missions in general, for all the other unreached people groups like Japan. Lord, that there would be people sent and that they would bring the good news of Jesus Christ to people who so desperately need to hear it. 
Father, so whether it's missions abroad or planting churches here locally, we pray that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed to every nation, tongue, and tribe. And Father, we do thank you for our dear friends, Seda and Emma. And we ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, Seda's going to preach to us now. Thanks, Emma. That'd be great. <laughs> thank you. It really is a joy to be here. And it's a particular joy for me to get to share God's word with you this morning, so I invite you to open in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, and I want to ask Mrs. Fox to read scripture for us, Philippians chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 3. I thank my God in all my remem remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, your word says, the Lord is near to all who call on you, to all who call on you in truth. So Father, we come before you and call on you through your son, Jesus Christ, for you to come and speak to us through your word. Open our eyes, open the eyes of our hearts so that we may see and behold the beauties of your son, Jesus Christ, afresh. Would you send the power of your spirit to illuminate your word and bless the preaching of your word. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to respond all for the sake of your great name. For your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When my wife, Emma, was in college, she lived in a house with nine other girls. Imagine that. And this house that they lived in was called the barn house because the shape of this house looked like a barn. And these Barnhouse girls, more than 20 years after their graduation, these girls remain close friends to this day. Over the years, they have gotten married. All of them have gotten married and had children. And the husbands and children of these ladies have become good friends too. 
They're all believers, and many of them have supported our mission in Tokyo through their giving and prayers. And we just came back from spending a few days with these precious people. And we've done these barn house reunions over the years, several times over the years. And every time we get together, I realize how precious their relationships are. It's obvious to me, looking at them, how they interact with, you, with each other and how they spend time together drawing each other out. Their affections for each other is very obvious. They have deep fellowship with one another every time they get together. Time and physical distance have not diminished their love and care for one another. Now, in today's passage from Philippians chapter 1, we see a similar relationship. The author of this letter, the Apostle Paul, he planted this church in Philippi. You can read about that in Acts chapter 16. He planted this church, and it's been 10 years. At, this, at the writing of this letter, it's been about 10 years since Paul planted this letter. Paul is now in prison, uh, probably in Rome, hundreds of miles away. But the Philippians, Philippian believers still remembered Paul still loved him and still cared for him, cared for him and, and sent a financial gift to support Paul in prison for his gospel ministry. And now Paul longs to be with them for these dear believers, but he can't be with them. So he writes a thank you note. And that's what we have in the letter to the Philippians. Paul wants to encourage and strengthen the Philippians by letting them know how much he longs to see them, how much he loves them, and how much he appreciates them. And he lets them know how he is praying for them. And God has preserved these words for us. And 2,000 years later, God is still speaking to us through these words and through the example of the relationship between Paul and the Philippian church. And he wants us to see the kind of relationships we ought to cultivate and to pursue. At the center of the relationship between Paul and the Philippian church, at the center of their relationship was the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter 1 alone, this word gospel appears six times. I believe God wants us to build and pursue relationships that are shaped by the gospel, just like Paul's relationship with the Philippians. So we're going to see from this passage, we're going to see that a gospel-shaped relationship will be characterized by at least two things, gospel partnership and gospel prayer. A gospel-shaped relationship will be characterized by gospel partnership and gospel prayer. So let's look at the first thing, gospel partnership. As Paul remembers the Philippian believers in his Roman prison cell hundreds of miles away from them, his heart is obviously full of joy and thanksgiving to God for them. Look at verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Well, what is the basis of Paul's joy and thanksgiving? And he says in verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day 
until now. He remembers the believers in Philippians and his heart is full of joy and thanksgiving because of their partnership in the gospel, he says. And this, this word partnership is in the New Testament, it's commonly translated as fellowship. And now fellowship is a word that we often use in a, in a different way than how Paul would have used it or understood it. We use this word fellowship to mean something like Christians doing something together. So if you have a coffee or a meal with some other Christians or another believer, we call it fellowship. Or we, we get together to watch NBA finals or any, any kind of movie or something like that. And we call it fellowship. But, but this word fellowship or partnership in the first century, century was commonly used in a commercial setting. If you start a business with someone and, and both of you are investing money and time and efforts into to, to growing this business, if that happens, you've entered into a fellowship or a partnership. One author defines this word fellowship as self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. Fellowship is a self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. Do you guys remember the fellowship of the ring from the Lord of the Rings? This band of characters that included hobbits, human warriors, an elf, a dwarf, and a wizard. These people, are they people? <laughs> I don't even know. These characters, they had a shared vision. They had a common mission. They shared this vision, a mission to destroy this ring, to save Middle Earth from evil forces, and they worked together to accomplish that mission and vision. Even though they, they have come from different backgrounds, different, different people, characters. Now, this partnership in the gospel that Paul mentions in this letter is a shared vision and shared commitment to the advancement of the gospel. Paul's thanksgiving is filled with joy because these believers, from the first day until now, he says, from the moment they embrace the gospel, they have been involved in advancing the gospel with Paul. And that's what, what's causing Paul's joy, Paul's joy and thanksgiving. They have, these believers had prayed for Paul and financially supported him. And even in his imprisonment, they didn't drop Paul. They, they remembered Paul and sent money to support him in his ministry. Their relationship was characterized by this gospel partnership. And that brought great joy to Paul and caused his thanksgiving. Now, Paul's joy is also based on God's ongoing work in these believers' lives. Verse 6, he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul here is absolutely confident that the work of God's salvation that God has started in, in the lives of the Philippian believers will be brought to completion on the last day, at the day of Jesus Christ. But how can Paul be so confident that God has indeed begun a good work in them and he will continue that work? He says in verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, 
because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The Philippians kept supporting Paul even when he was imprisoned. They shared Paul's suffering for the gospel and the shame of imprisonment by supporting them. Now, to support someone in prison, support a known criminal, that was shameful. So they had to share this shame of being imprisoned by supporting Paul. But they were willing to do that. And their willingness, willingness to identify with Paul and, and suffer alongside Paul in his imprisonment through their prayers and financial support, that was a clear indication that the gospel had taken root in their hearts and that God was at work in them. And Paul was sure that God will finish that, complete his good work in them. Have you had friends who stood by you in your suffering when you encountered trials? I have. When our second child, daughter Kaya, she was born with Down syndrome and she had to go through heart surgery and many other uh, medical complications. And in those months, Mark, Leslie, Vince, Bonnie, many others from, from this church stood by us, prayed for us, cared for us, loved on us. Now, when you have friends like that, friends who stood by us in our suffering, those are the friends who become so precious to you. And the Philippian believers were precious to Paul because they stood by him in his suffering for the gospel. He says in verse 8, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I yearn for you all. God is my witness. He's, he's basically swearing. I swear by God how, I, how much I yearn for you all, how I love you. And he says that his affection for them is the very affection that Jesus has for them. The Philippine believers were faithfully living out their faith in Christ and their commitment to the advancement of the gospel. And for their gospel partnership with Paul, he's joyfully thanking God and communicating his deep affection for them. So let's ask ourselves, what do we give thanks to God for? What? gives us joy? Is it our health? Is it how successful we are financially? Or as a worker, good grace? Or how we're doing in parenting? No doubt that these and many other things are expressions of God's goodness to us and his mercy to us, and we should enjoy these things, these blessings and give thanks to God. But what the Apostle Paul gives thanks for most often in his letters is not things, but people. And God's work in these believers. And he clearly communicates his affections, affection for them in this letter. Are we, as, as a church, 
are we as believers, as God's people, are we growing in our affection for one another like this? And how often do we communicate that affection for one another like Paul did? In preparing to share God's word, I thought of you often. I don't know how many times I thought of you as I was meditating, reading, and preparing to share God's word. I thought of you so many times. And every time I thought of you, no joke, I, my heart was bursting with joy and thanksgiving as I remembered how you have supported us these many years in Japan, how you have prayed for us, how you, how you have partnered with us in the gospel. For all the expressions of your love and care for us, you know, I get these cars signed by many people, Saturday morning prayer, elders, sign their names, letting us know that you guys are praying for us. And these things have come to us at such a timely moment over the last eight years when we were tempted to be discouraged, and how slow the work, it, work of the gospel is in Japan. But you stood by us through your partnership in the gospel. And because of your partnership in the gospel, there is a fledgling community of believers in Toyosu. The advancement of the gospel in Japan is often slow and takes many years for someone to come to faith, but we do see God at work in our community. A few people who have been baptized are still walking in faith and they're growing in their understanding of the gospel and they're growing in their love for one another and they're being transformed by the gospel little by little. And your partnership in the gospel with us plays a vital part in this work that God is doing in our midst. And I hope this brings you joy and thanksgiving in your heart to God. What was at the heart of the relationship between Paul and the Philippians was this partnership in the gospel. What brings us together is not our shared interest in sports or hobby or political affiliation or personality match. What holds us together is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Nothing else, nothing else is strong enough and compelling in us to hold us together, to call such a diverse group of people from so many different ethnicities and cultures and personalities to partner together to love one another for the gospel. Nothing else. And when our relationships are shaped by the gospel, our relationships will be marked by gospel partnership. Second, when our relationships are centered on the gospel, we will pray gospel prayer. As an expression of his partnership in the gospel with them and his affection for them, Paul prays for God's work in them to produce fruit in their lives that result from the gospel. First, he prays for this abounding love. Look at verse 9. He's, he prays, and it is my prayer. 
And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So he prays for this increasing love for these believers. But notice how he doesn't mention the object of this love. It could be their love for God or their love for one another. He's probably praying for both. He's praying that their love for God may abound more and more so that their love for one another may abound more and more as a result. And this abounding love Paul prays for isn't just this warm and fuzzy feelings that people equate with love so often. He prays that this love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, he says. The kind of love that he prays for is the love that increases with knowledge. Not just any kind of knowledge that doesn't make someone more loving, but the knowledge of God. He's praying for increasing insight into who God is and and what he has done in Christ so that these believers can discern how they should live in light of that knowledge. Now, this is confirmed by the next phrase in Paul's prayer. He prays that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent. Paul doesn't want the Philippians to just, just to stay the way they are. He doesn't want them to maintain the status quo, but he wants them to be able to increasingly choose what is excellent, not what is just okay or passable, but what is excellent. He wants them to grow in discerning and choosing what is excellent. Now, the countless decisions that we face daily in our lives Countless decisions we make in life are not so black and white. Often, it's not so black and white. It's not not choosing between what is obviously right or obviously wrong. Things like, how do we use our discretionary time and money and other resources? How do we decide that? What do we watch in our downtime? How do we know when to speak about Jesus with a non-Christian or when to simply listen to their story? Who do we invest in relationally? Who do we disciple? These and many other choices are constantly before us, and what we need in those moments is discernment that comes from increasing knowledge of God and abounding love for Him and for those around us so that we can choose what is excellent. He says, second, Paul prays for this readiness for the last day. He prays for abundant love with knowledge and all discernment so that they may prove what is excellent. Verse 10, end of verse 10, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That was really good. Paul wants the Philippians to remember that one day, one day you'll all stand before Christ pure and blameless. He is going to bring you there. He's going to continue working in you to make you more and more like Jesus, more like himself, until that day when you finally become just as he is, perfectly pure and blameless. He's saying, strive toward that day. 
Strive toward that now by choosing what is excellent so your life will be increasingly filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's what he's praying for. To be filled with the fruit of righteousness means that your life is marked by words and actions and thoughts that are right in God's eyes and pleasing in God's eyes. And this is the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, Paul says. The imagery here is that of a plant bearing fruit. Jesus, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul is saying your righteous living is the fruit that comes through Jesus by your vital connection to him. You've got to be connected to him if you, want to, if you want to live righteous lives by your vital connection to him. He's not saying, Paul's not saying just try harder and produce righteous fruit in your life. He's not saying that. He's, he's saying that this fruit of righteousness is the fruit that comes through Jesus, your vital connection to him. That's what Paul is praying for. His prayer is focused on the fruit of the gospel in the lives of these believers And all of this, he's praying, the last phrase, to the glory and praise of God. As these believers, oh, excuse me. He says, this fruit of righteousness doesn't come by us trying harder to produce it ourselves. He says it comes through Jesus. So you keep, he's saying you keep holding on to Jesus. You keep looking at Jesus. You, you gaze upon his, his beauty and see how, how loving and kind and patient and generous and faithful and good and gentle he is to you. And when we see Jesus for who he really is, expressed most clearly by the cross of Jesus Christ, when we see him standing in that place, in our place, suffering for us so that we get to experience God's deep, abounding love for us, when we experience that, that's when our heart is set on fire by Jesus and his great love for us and and our love for God, our love for him, our love for others may abound more and more and and we'll be able to discern what is excellent. And, And when we gaze upon him and who he is to us, what he has done for us, that's when we have this desire to live for him, and we start living increasingly more and more like Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through him. And that's what Paul is praying for here. As these believers bear more and more righteous fruit in their lives, he says, this is all to the glory of and praise of God. He's praying that God may be glorified and and praised through these believers. Paul is praying that more and more people may see God's glory and praise him because of the gospel fruit they see in the lives of the Philippian believers as they become more and more like Jesus. In other words, 
his, Paul's gospel prayer that he's praying here has a missional focus. What Paul is praying for is that through these believers, God may be praised and glorified more and more because all the other people, those around them will see who God is and who Jesus is through them. What Paul is praying for here is nothing short of a revival. He's praying for revival. And many of us, I know, myself included, many of us pray for so many different things. Do we not? Pray for our jobs, pray for healing, pray for good grades, pray for financial success or mortgage application, whatever. Many of us pray for so many different things, I'm sure, but how much do we pray like Paul with this sweeping gospel focus for one another? Oh, how we need to pray prayers like this for each other and how I desperately need you, the church, to, to pray like this for Japan and for people in Toyosu. Many of you probably heard, have heard of uh, William Carey. He's considered the father of modern missionary movement. Shortly before he left to go to India, he famously told his friend Andrew Fuller, he said, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. And one of those holding the ropes back home in England was Carrie's sister, Polly. Now, Polly was almost completely paralyzed and bedridden for 52 years. But it was this bedridden for 52 years, this sister, Polly, who faithfully prayed for her brother for hours and hours each day, for, his, for her brother's work in India, for the lost souls of India to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. She faithfully prayed. And no doubt, many of, many of us know William Carey, but not many of us know Polly, but no doubt in God's eyes, her prayers were precious. Know that God used this prayer warrior to accomplish his great work in India. Now, I recently received an email from a friend of mine who prays for us regularly, and she gave me permission to share the content of her prayer for us. She says, I pray the Satan Emma would be fully aware of your steadfast love and faithfulness to them. While Seder is away, I pray that the church would continue to encounter you, for you are still with them and your plan will be brought to completion. Thank you for calling them to love and serve the community. Help them to hear your plans clearly about the noise of the world and give them faith and strength to continue, even on the tough days. May they remember that you know all they need and you promise to provide. In Jesus' name, amen. That prayer came at a particularly discouraging moment in my life when I was aware of all my failures, all my struggles. Oh, how that prayer gave me courage. That prayer gave me faith that God is at work, and God will continue to do his work in Toyosu. Oh, how much that encouraged me. This is gospel partnership, and this is gospel prayer. And I know, I mentioned this earlier, 
I know that you all have prayed for us and are praying for us still. After, after all these years, you're faithfully partnering with us in the gospel. So I want to thank you for your partnership and your prayers that you prayed to God on our behalf. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always, in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. When we experience God's love for us in the gospel, when we experience that, that Christ suffered in our place to make it possible for us to have a relationship with him, when we experience his great love for us by the power of the Spirit, that transforms our hearts. And Jesus becomes the most precious person. And when we have that as a shared commitment, when we have this shared commitment to Christ and in his gospel at the center of our relationships, then the brothers and sisters around you and how we're together laboring to partner together to make Christ known, these relationships will become the most precious people in your lives. And our prayers for one another will be centered on the gospel and fruit that, that only comes from the gospel and our relationship with Jesus so that our love may abound more and more, so that we may become together, become more and more like Jesus, to display who he is to the watching world around us. So may our partnership in the gospel be used by God to bring more and more people into relationship, saving relationship with him, to his glory. So let's continue to pursue these relationships centered on the gospel, and let's keep praying for one another so that God may be glorified in and through us. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good work that you have started in all of our lives. It's all by your grace that you have studied, started a work of salvation, work of transformation, the gospel work in our hearts. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for the partnership in the gospel that we get to experience with our fellow brothers and sisters in Fairfax and around the globe, all for your glory, for the advancement of the gospel. So would you strengthen us? Would you continue to give us joy in Jesus? glimpse of his glory so that our hearts may be transformed and we be committed to one another for the advancement of the gospel. Would you do that? Would you use our partnership? And would you use our prayers for one another? For your namesake, for your glory. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.